0: Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Claire. And I'm Mari. And together we are the host of the Yellow Ranger Fan Club, a monthly culture podcast about being Asian, female, and dorky. Hello, hello. We are doing a special recording session because the last seven days of January feels awful. Like a decade a decade, yeah. I think I actually turned around to my husband today and was like, this is the first week of January, right? <laughs> it's not December 32nd. <laughs> oh, no. We had the free trial version of 2021 for the first seven days. I don't want to subscribe anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we were going to have a lighthearted, fun episode about... Um, our new year's traditions like our our family's new year's traditions and talk about sort of the history of it and things like that
0: as i was editing it i could hear the hope and promise in our voice like so optimistic going like oh we hope nothing bad can happen here you know we're hopeful for a peaceful transition of power and as i'm editing that it just sounds insanely tone deaf to Mm -hmm. put that out Right. Yeah, because we recorded the it in December. Right, when we, we were looking forward to the year with hope and optimism. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that went really well. So we should probably discuss what
1: happened. So, um... Earlier this week, there was the Senate runoff race in Georgia, and it looks like, I think it's been confirmed that both the Democrats won their Senate races in Georgia, which means that the Democrats now have a majority, slight majority in uh, the Senate, which is fantastic. That same day that we got that confirmation, there was um, riots, I guess, in the Capitol building.
0: Yeah. Effectively, insurgency.
1: Yeah, which is unbelievable.
0: It is a god-awful shame. And the last time this happened was during what? Uh, well, the when the Capitol was breached. It was 1814 by the British Army. And then ever since then, it's been kind of not breached. Like, it's been a symbol of security and democracy. and And to see that devastated by people who call themselves patriots is just so disheartening Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: it's really depressing disheartening isn't even right like it isn't even truly the words here it's
1: it's scary (laughs) it's
0: scary yeah it's scary it's there's no there's no flowery language for the sound of yeah because it's it's a mix of disappointment it's a Mix of sadness, anger, fear. Mm -hmm. I can't spell that. And I don't know what's the right transcription for that sound (laughs) that I just made. But (laughs) if there was a German word for it, like, let me know. (laughs) But
1: that's why we're recording this episode. Well, this little snippet, I guess, and not putting up the uh, optimistic new year's episode that we were hoping
0: for. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe in the next couple of months, we might be able to listen back on the episode and just laugh a little bit. At our naivete. <laughs> yes, at our naivete and at our optimism and be like, hey, remember when all we wanted to talk about was like, mochi? yeah, mochi, so much mochi. Actually, you know what, like 80% of that episode was mochi. <laughs> It's just like the recipe for your mother's Osoni. And yeah, it was, it was just so like the seven, these seven days, eight days feel like a decade. Mm -hmm.
1: I, so something that I'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around is the fact that um, there were pipe bombs found at both the DNC and RNC national headquarters in Washington, D.C. And that was just a footnote. No one's talking about it. I mean, it's literal terrorism.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't even start to discuss, you know, like how the media and and particularly Fox News is really portraying all of this, like the racism around it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the perpetrators of this yeah, the perpetrators of this insurrection.
1: Yeah. You know what? Let me pull up. There was an NPR article that I was reading yesterday, I think. Okay. So this is an article from NPR. Um, it was posted yesterday and the headline is storming the Capitol didn't change the election. Some Trump backers realize, and And they interview a woman who was there and witnessed the chaos and she says, quote, on the news, they keep saying now that they shouldn't have said that Vice President Pence can stop the certification. That was just a big lie. They didn't say that before, she says. Maybe some of the other news stations that I don't trust, but the ones that I do, that's not what they're saying. And, I mean, the fact that she can't trust the news she's getting, I mean, that's sad and scary and really frustrating. Um, They also interviewed someone else who was a Trump supporter there but didn't witness what happened at the Capitol. And she was saying that um, she doesn't believe that they were Trump supporters, that it was Antifa or, you know, some conspiracy.
0: Yeah. So that was actually being, tr- like, that was being promoted as a possible, something that could possibly have happened, like, on Fox News. It's really disturbing. And, you know, Fox News, I, I'm sorry, you can't call yourself journalists anymore. if. If you are just peddling conspiracy theories like this. They don't because
1: as far as I know, they call themselves entertainment or opinion and not actually news like those shows.
0: Regardless, it's on a channel that also shows news. It's very very misleading, right? It's extremely misleading because even though they say that they're media and not really news, they're still public figures on a on a network that calls themselves Fox News, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's scary and also to think about like what the repercussions of it, right? Like sure, the extremists have been beaten back now, right? But now what do they have? They have Trump as a martyr that those who have been shot at or tear-gassed or whatever are now the martyr of the new whatever crazy politic like political party they want to call themselves now you know like it just lionizes the far right you know trumpism really is taking over it's just so demoralizing and just like whatever that sound was like that that combination of just pain and anger and disbelief it's it was honestly like really hard to wrap my mind up mind around and say this is my country
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really struggling to process what happened. And I had kind of found that because of the pandemic, I was already struggling with sort of my faith in my fellow Americans and like them behaving in the right way. And then this just sort of compounded that.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it makes me wonder right? Like, where do we go together as a nation, right? Like, how do you heal from all of this? And Mm -hmm. it it seems really premature to think about healing when we haven't really even properly grieved yet. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: We haven't really fully processed and understand the scope of the pandemic, right? like, Absolutely. And it's still not over. And now even adding on this is just like oh how Rome has fallen (laughs) like (laughs) you know what I mean
1: yeah it's it's hard it's really difficult to be going through this and witnessing it and living it
0: yeah and if you think about it now U.S. on a major world level like I'm sorry like any sort of credibility we ever have as a champion of democracy. I was going to say democracy and fair voting, like of democracy and fair voting is now significantly under, under doubt and scrutiny, right? Like, you know, there's so much pride in America is like, Hey, at the end of the day, Americans will do the right thing. And for the most part, that's true. Like, at least that's the lies we tell ourselves here in the U S right. Like at, at for the most part, Elections are peaceful. I mean, I would
1: argue that with gerrymandering and voter suppression, that it is, there is some level of violence against certain communities, democratically. And I mean, there have been um, like local level, you know, takeovers and coups and things like that, but not federal like this, I believe. Mm -hmm. Another thing that, I mean, you said that it's disbelief and I think that's, A really, really great way of putting it. I mean, knowing that 76 million people voted for the president who and his representatives who encouraged this violence and this rioting and encouraged these falsehoods is just mind boggling.
0: Yeah, and not in a fun way. Like, it really makes you wonder, right? Like, I mean, I think we're very much sheltered from that given where we are geographically but on a holistic scale right like let's say you're in a room with a hundred other americans randomly picked 50 almost 50 percent of them won't see us as americans right it's really it's a really hard concept to wrap your mind around right and the entitlement that these insurgents these terrorists feel that they can take because because their candidate lost the election is really just like, like, what? Like, your team lost (laughs) fairly, like there was challenges in the court and and people have done the research and, and and yet they don't believe it. And it's just like, well, if you don't believe all of these things, then what do you truly believe in? If the only persons that you're believing to is Trump and the far right media, then I'm sorry, you're not living in the truth. You are in a cult. As a nation, how do we deprogram people? It just it feels so awful. Yeah, what where do we go from here? Right. We are an Asian American podcast, but this goes beyond just thinking where we are as Asian Americans in society. It it speaks more fundamentally as who are we as Americans? It's really troubling to think like, hey, Trumpism and the far right has shown us time and time again that there are really two Americas. You know, when when somebody is in a cult, you help bring them out and you deprogram them by showing that their family is still there for you. They still have friends there for you. But as a nation if we don't even get that level of apology how do we where can we go because at this point if i hear somebody say that they're like a staunch trump supporter and would still vote for him in a heartbeat my first reaction isn't forgiveness it's how could you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe that makes me a bad person but i think that's a human reaction and and that's okay we need to be angry we need to provide rebuke I feel
1: like they're coming at it, a lot of the times they're coming at it from a place of fear. And so how do we help these people become less fearful?
0: But how do you help them be less fearful if they can't even see us as equals?
1: I mean, that's a fair point.
0: (laughs) If half of America can't recognize the humanity in progressive individuals or people who don't support them or even understand the fundamental concept of truth and logic what do you do do we just deal with insurrection like every 4 years like what like until we get a civil war and then you like bash them together like i don't want us to get to the level of civil war and also more on that like how is the civil war not taught as more of a shameful history like The South has never been made to feel sorry or acknowledge the fact that they went to war and tore apart a country because for the sole purpose of keeping slaves. I don't I don't know. It just it feels wrong. Something is it feels raw. It feels vulnerable. And it feels like the
1: country is fundamentally broken in some way. And I don't know how to fix it. And I don't know what the solution is. And that's scary.
0: Yeah. And, and even on a micro level, right? Like we can't fix the nation, but on our own, what can we do? I don't like this idea of helplessness. Mm -hmm. I think
1: it might help to have policy in place going forward where news has to be factual and accurate. Um, I know that they have, laws about that or policies about that in Canada, but we don't have that here. And so it allows for these more entertainment opinion uh, shows to uh, seem like news.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that is a way, but you know, I can see how that can just drive not to be a negative Nancy, but I can also see how that can drive distrust over then what is the true media and and what if that system gets abused right like who watches the watcher right right right, right. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it just it feels like like this whole four years felt like a stress test on the democracy product i'm thankful that it seems like right now at the surface there's a way to move forward to swear in President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. But I can't believe we had to go there. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, like what hap- what would have happened if we didn't have this insurrection? What, if, what would have happened to certifying the votes if some of these Republican senators didn't just take advantage of the situation to be like, oh yes, we're against all of this lawlessness and now we will go ahead and certify the results because of this. What happens if they didn't have that? Would they have objected? I think they would have.
1: I don't know if it would have made a difference. I don't think it would have. But they would have uh, come across as incredibly loyal. And I think that was the goal.
0: It's just like, okay... What was your end game here? Like, what exactly was your end game here? Is your end game to be president next in 2024? Is your end game to swear fealty to the Trump family? I mean, I think that for
1: some, it, the intention might be to ruin democracy and create sort of a
0: theocracy or a
1: dictatorship. But it also feels like ambition because Trump has created such a passionate base that if they can also get that base behind them, then I think they feel that they have a better chance in the future. But that's, that's just my suspicion. I mean, I'm not basing that on anything. We're political
0: hobbyists. (sighs) Like, yeah, there's definitely naked ambition there, but at its core, like, what does it mean to be king of terrible people? If you're king awful, why be king at all? (laughs) Did, have you watched Anna and the Apocalypse?
1: Uh-uh.
0: Okay. Anna and the Apocalypse is one of the best horror musical Christmas movie. Well, okay, so actually there's another podcast called The Final Thumbs that is covering Anna and the Apocalypse for their Christmas episode. Spoiler alert, but there's a character in there, the the principal, who basically rather see the entire school get run over by zombies than to actually help students. And I can't help but feel like there's definitely Republican senators, legislators, political figures who would do that because they're so frightened of not being in power that it doesn't matter who's listening to them as long as somebody is listening to them. And for those people, screw you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm still reeling, to be honest.
0: <laughs> it's like a swirl of emotion. And the only way that we could process this is, I don't know, like just blah. Uh. <laughs> we can't numb ourselves to this, no matter how tempting it is to wrap yourselves in in a burrito blanket.
1: Well, there's the, I mean, there's also self-care too, right? So If it's causing real distress or real anxiety, then maybe distancing oneself is the best thing to do. But that also comes with issues because then it feels irresponsible to not be aware of what's going on. And so it's very, it's very conflicting.
0: (laughs) It's just like, what do we do? and that's that's the question that keeps on come popping into my mind here also the other thing that i find really interesting is all the political loopholes like the fact that trump is considering self-pardoning or at least preemptively pardoning his entire family and all of his associates is really a slap in the face of democracy because if he could do that there's no repercussion but doesn't pardoning
1: um have to include an admission of guilt. And also it only, if the president pardons, it's federal and not state
0: or something. I think, I mean, there's smarter lawyers and people there like actually figuring out this question, but the fact that he's even considering it is ridiculous. Like, and the fact that we have to get there, like, and as a country, are debating if it's possible. It's very telling. Yes, it's very telling. And maybe like, and he probably shouldn't have been president in the first place if that is a question you have to consider today. (laughs) And here's the other thing, right? Like I am so mad at all of the quote unquote adults in the room Like, you know, Lisa Murkowski and, you know, Susan Collins were like, oh, he's learned his lesson. Has he? Like, if he hasn't learned how to be a human by now, he's never going to be learned to be a human. Like, how do they sleep at night? And, and also for all of the like, oh my gosh, all the cabinet members and all the senior officials are resigning now. Like, no, they're just doing it to save their butts. They're not actually committed to helping make the country, a better place. They are just like, Oh, Beth, definitely see this is bad. Goodbye. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and the tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, too little, too late y'all. And the thing is too, that um, I'm sure that
1: a lot of the stuff, I mean, it's very sensational. Right. And it gets a lot of eyeballs and that, and, and that results in ad revenue. Right.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah. But, where is the morality in this, right? And where where is the tech ethicist, and what exactly gets to be posted on these platforms?
1: Well, I mean, too, if they're publicly traded, then the goal is profits, right? For their shareholders. And so if something controversial is going on on their platform that gets more people on their platform or uh, gets more notoriety for their platform, then probably all the better for them and their shareholders. And so like, what is their obligation, right?
0: I mean, there's the fiduciary obligation of always making money and making the best choice, but- Yeah, where's their ethical and moral obligation? Right, like instead of just fiduciary guidance, you need to have an ethics code too for all of these. You need to not just have fiduciary duties. You also need to have ethical and moral duties. But that's
1: not the altar of capitalism.
0: I mean, this is why we have to have like child labor laws and things like that. Because otherwise, people would put kids to work. That's true. And you can pay them and like, look, shiny object. And it's like a sticker. But is it time to start having ethics requirement of private tech companies or media companies that we don't really have? And and does that infringe on, on freedom of speech? Like these are all huge questions that seem so... Easy to ask, but so difficult to answer. Well, anyways, I guess the tone of 2021 is set.
1: There was a lot of hope at the beginning. We have vaccines. We have a new administration coming in. But oh boy.
0: You know, like Georgia election should have been front news. Oh my gosh, what
1: whiplash I had that day.
0: Like, I think the exact sounds that I made was like, oh, oh, look at, wait, what? (laughs) Why is NPR refreshing? Oh, my God. What is this breaking news? Yeah. But uh, hey, congratulations, Stacey Abrams. And yes, amazing story for Asif and Wernick. Definitely. And and do you know what is even crazier? The beginning of the week, people were angry about the Mahjong line. About what?
1: Oh, Jesus. This is how...
0: This is how crazy this whole week is. This is awful. I did not hear about this at all. The beginning of the week, there was controversy over the mahjong line, which is a set of mahjong that was basically culturally appropriated by three ladies in Dallas who decided that mahjong needs to be refreshed for the modern consumer. Also, they sold their set for like 300 to which is insane for a mahjong set. And the reason why they wanted to refresh it was because the traditional mahjong tiles did not fit their fun aesthetics.
1: This is like um, the culinary people discovering ube and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it it just feels so colonial.
0: Oh, oh, it was absolutely colonial. So they redesigned mahjong
1: tiles and sold... Them for $300? $400. $400? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Mahjong tiles have been working pretty well for a real long time.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And I get that, like, the character script could be a little bit difficult to read. But I think what really disgusted me was when they said Mahjong was a game that. An American businessman provided or something like that. Hang on. What? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Some have asked, what is the real mahjong? Well, all the madness of mahjong began in China hundreds of years ago. So they own that distinction fair and square. Also, they added that like later. And then they write... When an American businessman named Joseph Babcock returned from working overseas in China, he brought the game with him. In the 1920s, it became a national craze upon the publication of Babcock's book, Rules for Mahjong: The Red Book of Rules. Over time, the game evolved from the original Chinese version to be distinctly American, with the addition of jokers to the game. So, this was already a revised version of giving Chinese credit. <laughs> but yeah, like the beginning of the week. That was the controversy taking over the internet, and by midweek it was like that felt really quaint. <laughs> cultural appropriation, <laughs> yeah, like whatever. It's just cultural appropriation. There's the fall of democracy. Like what a week it's been. Wow, I didn't, I didn't even hear about that Mahjong
1: thing. Oh, geez, <laughs> <laughs> that's not great.
0: <laughs> Anyways, oh, it's just. What a week. I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? <laughs> I'm exhausted. Do we have any way of wrapping up this episode? So, yeah, we're not doing
1: uh, our cute little optimistic
0: New Year's episode
1: for a little while, because this week's been... Burning? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I edited everything, too. Like... <laughs> Well, so maybe that one we'll just
1: like sort of postpone it because we have a really great episode in February for Valentine's Day that we cannot move because oh my gosh, we can't move that one. Yeah. Um, so maybe I guess Val- or New Year's Day in March.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um for those people who are still with us at the end of this episode, we are doing a giveaway for starting the new year as a little bit of hello, refresh. Yay. It's the new year. What I'm contributing to the giveaway, I think is very
1: mood appropriate. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, so Mari is contributing a copy of Attack on Titans. The, uh,
1: the first volume of the translated manga.
0: Awesome. And I am contributing various stickers and arts and pins by Asian artists. Yeah, and uh, for people who are wondering what that post in the beginning of the week when there was still hope was sitting on Mari's desk is, that was a Kagami mochi. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we didn't even start the episode with our fun stuff and like, what's keeping you happy? There's nothing. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh Claire, I'm so tired.
0: <laughs> I kind of just want to hide for a little bit. I'm with you. I'm I mean, I've mentioned the burrito blanket a couple times now. I I just want to be wrapped myself in a, like a nice warm tortilla. Yeah, I'm going to light some candles and wrap myself in a burrito blanket and you scream into a pillow. <laughs> And screaming out to a pillow. You know what? I'm gonna wrap myself in a burrito blanket with Gibbs and Chewy, oh. <laughs> and they're gonna be very confused as to what's going on. But I will be surrounded by all the warm fuzzies. <laughs> oh, faith in humanity is quietly dwindling. <laughs> 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 Uh, oh gosh, yeah. That's been my motto of the last 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, at least we landed in a laughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Find us on Instagram
1: and Twitter and email us and go to our website. You can search Yellow Ranger Fan Club or YRFC Podcast.
0: May it only go up from here. Yes. Hopefully we won't become
1: too misanthropic.